Hey friends, welcome to the Ideas Cafe podcast. My name is Paul Edward Ralph, and today I am joined by John Rockstar Belbeck and A.A. Ron Holbrow. Gentlemen? Hi. Paul. Oh, come on, guys. You guys, you know what's so funny about the <laughs> opening of these things? It's so silly, because if people knew you in person, you guys got, you can't shut up. Like, there's just, you've got stuff on your, just falling off your lips all the time. But I go ahead and give you a little rousing introduction. You go, Paul. <laughs> Don't have hey. stuff falling off my lips. You, can you get do. cream for that to rub on your lips, by the way. <laughs> I saw something extremely disturbing on social media this week. Um, on social media? <laughs> I know. I <laughs> Something know. disturbing? I imagine. Okay. Uh, how unusual. And now you're going to disturb us with it. Well, I, I want to talk about it. Okay. I, and, but I don't exactly even know how to get into this topic because it's fraught with a little bit of, uh, as the British say, controversy for me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to basically attempt to describe for you what I saw. Okay. So if you will, picture a gentleman wrapped in a sleeping blanket, and on his head is uh, clearly a, some sort of a military cap that says the word veteran emblazoned mm-hmm. on it. And he looks disheveled. Um, he's outside in what, what appears to be a big city in cold weather. And here is the caption beneath it. Share. If you think homeless veterans should be housed before any refugees, exclamation point. (laughs) Right. This bothered me. I was viscerally disturbed. And so ultimately what I did was I concluded that they're asking the wrong question. Uh, This isn't isn't the, the best question here. It is a question but I don't think it's the best question. It sets up a false dichotomy to me that you have to select a veteran who's in need or a refugee who's in need, and you may not find a third way. And so I guess in the end, I was able to, I was able to deal with my displeasure by just thinking a bit, stopping and not reacting. Mm-hmm. I didn't post anything in response, which I, I seldom do anyway. But it raised this question for me, like, why, do, why, why are we so intrigued by either-or propositions when, in reality, both and seems to be a much more legitimate and logical place to go? <clears throat> Aaron, um, your thoughts on that? Yeah, that type of stuff, that's like clickbait, you know? It's, it's just propaganda that somebody's pumping out to create um, a reaction from people. It's, it's ridiculous. Anybody who would stop to look at that, who had any ounce of intellectual ability, would realize that, like you said, Paul, um, by helping a refugee, we're not, not helping a veteran. Why are we pitting these two against each other? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Uh, it just drives me nuts when people... It's because we, we, you know what, we live in a, an oppositional society mm-hmm. where we, just, we have to have someone to be mad at. We have to have an enemy. We've, we've bought into this thinking because that's how nations exist. You know, the United States is against China. It's against Russia. It's, it's just like, are you kidding? This is just so stupid. It's just so stupid. Instead, I think Aaron, we just got to rise above it. Yeah, I, 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 it angers me. I tell you, it angers <laughs> me. You know, and here's why. The person, whoever it is, and I, Paul, please do not tell me who. I do not want to know. Uh, <laughs> well, you, you're... But, but uh, listen, the person who posted that, 
Mm-hmm. I bet you they didn't even actually think about it. They just quickly looked at it and thought, well, yeah, okay, uh-huh, I'll post that because it looks looks like something I should be against. Um, but if you'd actually stop and hold some of the stuff that we we look at, it's like it's okay to not have an opinion on it, to say, you know what, I don't know enough information to even have an opinion on that because that's just ridiculous. Do you know what I suspect it was, Aaron? What? I suspect, I, I worked for a gentleman, I worked with a gentleman for uh, um, almost a decade, and uh, he was in the forefront of answering people's questions uh, questions and object and objections. He was called an apologist, and one of the things that he would instruct us to do was look into a question mm-hmm. and ask what was underneath the question, yeah, what's really being and what's asked. really behind the question. And so, my suspicion is that what's behind this post is a veneration of veterans. And so, the person who posted this probably has such a high view of honoring them that it creates this false dichotomy about the low view of the refugee scenario. But that's just a presumption on my part. But to the real issue, it's disgusting. What Aaron said about people needing a cause, I I completely agree with that. Um, John, then take the post down from your social media feed. (laughs) I I see this problem every day on social media, and I don't care what political spectrum, where you are on the political spectrum, left or right, center, whatever, um, everybody's guilty of it. Everyone is guilty of creating these prioritized issues and asking uh, artificial questions that don't take into consideration all the context on both sides. They just don't. And it's, it's done without thinking, and it's piled on to... You know, you just pile on to whoever else is. If, if, if that's what your set is believing, then you just further the, the cause by reposting it or, or it, sharing it. You know what else drives me nuts is, to me, it feeds this, this concept in our culture that we have to have an opinion on everything. You know, we have to have an opinion on everything. Everything that comes in our feed, we either have to like it or... Ignore it. For some reason, I, I don't know why we don't have this desire to have unexpressed thoughts. If I said everything that was in my head, I wouldn't have any friends. I do it in other circles. But yet when it comes to certain things like social media, et cetera, we, just, we don't have an inner dialogue. We just don't talk to ourselves first and say, okay, what's this about? Mm-hmm. Or in the case of that, you know, I remember years ago I was involved in a small uh, faith community that brought in a, a refugee family to Peterborough. And this was one of the first refugee families um, from Syria that Peterborough had. Mm-hmm. And going through all the paperwork and, the, and, and everything, it was, it was a lot of work. And we were on the hook for $25,000 that first year that family was here. We had to raise all that money. We had to provide everything for them. And I remember seeing the feeds in social media that said, war veterans get you know, $500 a month, mm-hmm. refugees get $1,200 per child or some, some ridiculous thing. And I remember yeah. looking at that thinking, that's absolutely rubbish because I know the truth. Mm-hmm. We're, we've brought a family. We're on the hook. This family receives no, you know, nothing that anyone else couldn't get. Plus we have to pay them or we have to have $25,000 to cover their rent and all their expenses for an entire year until they can climatize into our culture. And when I saw, I, I had friends and relatives that posted that. And mm-hmm. um, one of them I specifically talked to and I said, do you have any concept at all what, what you reposted? Do you even know what a veteran gets a month? Well, no, I do now because they po- I said, how do you know that's real? How do you know it's true? Right. And how do you know what a refugee family gets 
a month. Well, well, because I read it on Facebook. Well, what if both those figures were false? Mm-hmm. Well, why would why would you know why would they post it then? Because they want people to pick a side, right? Right. And yes. especially with a volatile topic like Syria, pick a side. So why do we clickbait our friends? Let's move it away from the online platforms. Let, let's talk about offline. Aaron said that our tendency is to do it less. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say things in a group of people right. that I'm willing to say online. Of course. But I think we still do it. I still think, I think we clickbait in order to get a rise out of people or to um, showcase our superiority or to embarrass another person. I think we do it. Do you guys think people do it? Not, not in, not in this country. I, I don't in Canada. I don't see it happen a lot, Paul. I, I, I find it very rare that uh, politics, religion, very controversial social issues. If you bring them up at dinner, dinner's over. It's, it's finished. In a restaurant, a social gathering. It's just, it's over. It's our, it's our Canadian culture. Um, I find that behind the keyboard, and on social channels, it's. it's Game on. But. So are you, uh, so that was a small distraction that let's mm. not go down that rabbit mm. hole then. My original premise was this. We get these either or, right. we're, we're tempted to live in an either or environment. And I suggest to you, or I put to you that a both end environment mm-hmm. is a better alternative in many cases. In many cases. And I think in this case where you, what, you're, what you're doing in the example that you talked about and introduced, Paul, those are two very sad and broken situations. Um, I, I should not have to... The implication is that one matters and one doesn't. And the fact is that they all matter. They all matter. All these, all these whether it's cruelty to animals or people on the street or veterans not being honored or refugees being treated poorly, they're, they're, all, they're all terrible. It's all a, it's all a, um, a broken situation. Um, so we've got to, I think we've got to get away from, from this voting on which cause is more, um, when it comes to human life, when it comes to, you know, human dignity, I think we've got to get away from, uh, it's got to be one and not the other or prioritizing them. I just think it's, um, not the way to go. So how do you think we can do that on a practical level? I like one of the things I love about our conversations, guys, is we, we often privately, resolve to practical ideas, not perfect ideas, but ideas where we think, hey, let's try this. Let's give it a... So what are some of the things that you might suggest to, to practice both-end thinking, to practice listening better, not being lulled into the trap of either-or false dichotomies? Well, I think a great, a great practice, like um, Aaron alluded to, would be before you, I don't know, hit comment or share or whatever take a moment to actually look at both issues and see if you can find a, at least an informed perspective on both issues, um, a, a, as opposed to this kind of knee-jerk reaction stuff, which is just, it's one reason why the internet and why social media has ruined the world. <laughs> okay, I want to drill down on that a little bit. Yeah. Let's say you're in a situation where someone presents a fact that you, at some level, think is dubious. Like, you just don't. So tell me how you would handle that. Hmm. So we're, John, you and I are at a dinner party, and I say, John, 72% of the people that voted yeah. for NDPs yeah. have never held a d- job in their lives. How do you... 
Well, it, it, you can choose to be confrontational, but you shouldn't at a, at a dinner party. Or you can just say, uh, you know what? I've never heard that before. Um, I'll have to, uh, you know what? That's not, that's not the information I have. I'll have to look into that. But See, I, I tried that with Aaron last month at a dinner party, and he just <laughs> threw the food at me. <laughs> I, I doubt it's that. True. He would never but waste the problem is he his... cooked the food, and it was so damn good, I thought, <laughs> bring it on. So I kept, I kept irritating him. Aaron, what do we do about this to avoid this problem? What do people do before just... Uh, I, I think, you know, from my experience working in addiction, um, I think one of the things uh, that is a very dangerous um, trend is this idea of just stereotyping. We just generalize everything, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and we, we've seen the damage that, that does in our world. We're seeing the damage right now in the States. If, to me, one of the things that I've, I've learned is we just got to get away from this whole idea of stereotyping and generalizing. And to me, addiction taught me this, working with addicts, because, mm -hmm. you know, we would think anybody who's an addict, right. no matter what it is, we're just like, man, what a bunch of losers. Like, like honestly, they're losing their jobs. They're losing their, their marriages. Why don't they just stop drinking? Like, honestly, get mm -hmm. a brain. Like, mm -hmm. just, you know, grow up. Well, when you sit down with these guys and realize that, Addiction isn't the problem. It's a symptom. Mm -hmm. right. Um, right. It's a symptom of some sort of trauma from their childhood or something. Yeah. You realize, you know what? People judge others and they don't know enough to judge. And so to me, it's one of the biggest um, uh, virtues in the wisdom traditions is this idea of, of do not judge. Non-judgmentalism. Why? Because you don't know enough. In Buddhism, they say... Um, nothing is bad or good. It's our choices that make it so. Um, in Christianity, it's Jesus who says, do not judge. Basically, you don't know enough to judge. Um, and I, I just think that when we see these things that tease an opinion out of us, we should stop first and ask ourselves, you know what? Do I have to make a decision? Do I know enough to make a decision? Is my decision going to hurt somebody who knows more than me? Or who am I making a decision by reposting this? that will influence someone else who is naive or, you know, I just say it comes back to, you know, this whole idea of just having unexpressed thoughts. I am biting my tongue more and more and realizing that I do not want to be one of those types of people that is reposting anything to do with politics or religion. It's like, you know, mm -hmm. in, uh, We've all seen these ones too, you know. Um, repost this if you think cancer's terrible. I bet you none of my friends will yeah. repost this. Well, listen, I got a newsflash for you. <laughs> I don't know a single person doesn't think cancer isn't terrible. Right. That's the right. stupidest it's, thing. Yeah, it's forced. Uh, yeah. Forced agreement. And just, and just because I'm not going to repost it doesn't mean I think cancer's great. But it might mean that you don't get the uh, Liberian $1,000 million. <laughs> uh, Aaron, just, um, we so did. so. Mm -hmm. I just let it go. I, I'm like, you know what? I'm not one of those types of people who finds any satisfaction whatsoever in armchair politics. So, so you use two words that are interesting to me. John, I want you to, to chime in at any yeah. moment. Uh, you use the word um, stereotyping and you use the word symptom. Um, I like those. And I'd like to drill down a few moments down into this idea of, so what do you think is, if, if, if it's symptomatic of a deeper issue, if, if what I started the entire program with simple image with some letters on it that framed words that framed an idea, what's that symptomatic of, do you think? Yeah. Are people yearning to be heard? Yes, I think it's... Um, <laughs> I, think, I think that people have found in social media this kind of easy and sometimes uninformed 
effortless way to, like I said earlier, pile on, to, to express their frustration, their opinion, their anger, whatever it is. And this is only symptomatic of that. It's, 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 it's a suppressed um, frustration and anger that is easy to um, communicate because of what social media allows them to do. Um, but on that, I just want to comment on something Aaron said. Years ago, a creative partner and I worked on a campaign for um, an organization that worked with, worked with street people in Toronto. And we took the, we built the whole campaign around an idea that was called people on the street yeah, people on the street don't have an easy time getting there. And that was the whole campaign theme line, basically. And a week or so before presenting it to the client, uh, I stopped beside a woman who was on the corner of Pottery Road, kind of in the side of the road and Bayview South in Toronto. And she was there every morning, the way I went to work. And that morning... I got out of the car and went over. We'd, we'd occasionally drop her uh, off a cup of coffee or whatever, but that morning I got out and I said to her, I asked her her name, and then I asked, is there anything that happened to you when you were younger that you believe led you to being here now? And she simply said, without a hesitation, she said, I was raped when I was 12. I was raped when I was 12 years old. And that is why she was beside that road looking for help and money and living in the, 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 you know, the wilderness of that ditch every day. So when you make a judgment about someone who's addicted or someone on the street or something, it's not just because they're, you know, don't assume that they're there for some sort of lazy reason. Um, they're often just treating, tr trying to treat symptoms of a, of a much, much greater problem. And if you had to walk in their shoes over their lifespan, especially as a child, uh, I suspect it would be a, it's just a very different way to look at things and it's helpful. It's really helpful. If you stop for a minute and think about what life is like in their shoes and what, and, and what it's taken to get there. And that's why you should, the, this idea of, of, I, I can't remember whether you said it or Aaron said it, the idea of pitting these circumstances and people who need help against each other for us to vote on it like American Idol, like it's, it's strange. It's very strange and it, we've got to get away from it. We just have to get yeah, away from it. Yeah, it's cheap and easy, isn't it's it? It's cheap and easy and, and silly. It's silly. I think, I think one of the other things that comes to my mind is that we live in a culture that largely feels powerless. There's a lot of people That's that true, largely, true. largely feel powerless. Yeah. And for them to repost an opinion about something, a strongly worded meme on Facebook makes them feel somehow powerful. Mm. And I think that is a cheap $3 um, knockoff that isn't doing anything constructive at all. Um, I think, I think people, I think all of us to a degree feel powerless at some point, some because we're victims. Um, we've been the victim of, of circumstances or other people and others just because they're not getting their own way. And I think what happens is we end up seeking out 
ways to feel power, ways to feel like we have a voice, you know, and some do it in destructive ways and others find more constructive ways and in doing so maybe set themselves free. That's but, a great um, point. The so- social media, Paul, gave us a chance, gave everyone a chance to have an audience, everyone, mm-hmm. yeah. more than the person we live with or the guy we go get coffee with at work. We, we now have an audience. Now you're, you've got a network, you've got a media platform, and you have content to deliver, and finally you get to be heard, and it adds to someone's sense of importance and meaning and purpose, and I'm not just a, a member of the crowd anymore. Now people get to, mm-hmm. like, I've got yeah. a voice finally, and people, I, yeah. I'm, a, I'm my own broadcaster. So it's yeah. a very good point. I wonder about, Aaron, did you want to add something? I was just going to say, I, I recently was on Instagram and there was someone who had expressed something that was um, very emotional and it was very brave for them to express. And they were, they were a celebrity and there were hundreds and hundreds of comments <laughs> down below. And so I started scrolling through the comments and a few of them were actually horrible. They were, oh, yeah. So I clicked, I clicked on the person that said it and realized they're a troll. And how I knew is because when you click on their name, up comes their account, you realize they have, they have 13 followers. Mm-hmm. So here's someone who's so powerless, they can't even find an audience. They can't even find people to follow them. And so instead, they're, they're finding celebrities that they control and say these abusive comments. Mm-hmm. But when you actually source out this individual, they're so small. They're such an insignificant little peanut mm-hmm. that the only way they can feel that they can even be noticed is by saying something so hateful. Mm-hmm. And that's just, I feel, I actually feel for them because it's actually counterproductive. The problem, like you said, we, everyone has an audience. The problem is all those people that are now trying to exercise their right to say something, it's, it's creating a monster in them. And I, and I feel for them because I am that person at times in my own psyche, you know, in my own heart. Yeah. I, I can tell you transparently, like, I'm the guy that's got 13 followers and I want to say something important and meaningful. And so it's a temptation, isn't it? For all oh, of us. Of course. Um, probably not for you, Aaron, because you actually... You 14. Get, I have 14 followers. Yeah, yeah, well, so. We're going to conclude shortly. This concept of stereotyping, I think we've come a long way. And I think that we do, as a culture, address it um, more and more frequently than we ever used to. And I think we are we are making good, solid gains in this in this area, I think many of us are trying not to simply see people at face value, and we're trying to at least understand, hey, there's a story behind every face, and I should have the courage to at least reach into that. Let me ask the question this way. What about the people we're closest to? So our spouses, our children, and our closest circle of friends. Something Aaron said caused me to think, you know, I stereotype the people that I'm closest to. I, I sometimes limit them and their own ability to grow and change and become someone because of preconceived either my preconceived notions about who they should be or their patterns. I think I've go, told you guys this before. My, my father said, I don't care whether you drink or not. If they tell you you're drunk long enough, sit down. Because I think if we could start there, if we could have peace in our own homes, we could have peace in our neighborhoods, and we could have peace in our towns and communities and, and perhaps even as noble a goal as this or lofty or idealistic, maybe we could have peace. But I do think it ultimately begins at home. So 
Aaron, do you stereotype? Do you box in? Do you put into a corner? Me. I, I stereotype everything. We all do. We can't not simply because we see everything from a perspective that stands in my size 11 and a half shoes. And I think the world sees, I think all my friends see the world the way I do because that's the only way I can conceive of anything. Or I don't see things as they are. I see things as I am mm-hmm. from my perspective. So Paul, I only see you from the perspective of my relationship with you up to this point. What maturity says to me is, but Paul is more. Now, I think very highly of you, but I only know a piece of you. So I know that what I think I know of you is true, but it's incomplete. There is more. There's always more. And so when, say, you say something that offends me, once again, I use the same logic and I say, well, I I think Paul's a man who says what he means, but I think there's more to the story that I don't know. And I'm going to choose to not stereotype his whole day by a statement he just said or a text he just sent me. Instead, I'm going to choose to believe because I know how it is with me. Someone gets me on a bad day. They call me in the middle of something. They're going to get a different errand than somebody who has set up an appointment and meets me at Starbucks, you know? Um, and, and I, I've just come to believe that. And noted, so noted. I, I'm just, noted. I'm just, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I want to be someone who chooses to believe that there's more than a singular story going on about anything. You know, Brene Brown says it best. She always says, she, she looks at it this way. She always says to herself, what's the story I'm telling myself in my head right now mm-hmm. about someone else or about an experience? And yeah, I, I don't think we can get away from stereotyping. It's just what we do. But what we have to recognize is we, we have to catch ourselves doing it. And I think we are, and to your point, Aaron, I think we are multidimensional creatures. And to define someone unidimensionally um, is a tragedy, really. To, to, to excise other parts of a person's character and history and being and simply define them, say, by their political stripe or their religious affiliation or in, you know, in our country, like sort of by the, the team hockey sweater that they wear. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a great reminder, Aaron. Thank you. Um, I remember a, uh, an owner of a restaurant in Toronto. She had a chef. What are the guys in the kitchen? See, I've just drawn a conclusion about John. He, he doesn't eat at home. He, he eats at restaurants. He has a terrible marriage. He, um, he's <laughs> probably not fit. Um, he's got more money that he knows what to do with because he can afford to go to restaurants. Am I, am I on the right track? <laughs> you couldn't be more wrong, except for the fit part. Um, so the... the the um, the issue was that with you know what Aaron said about stories, she had a chef or a guy in the kitchen that would just rage out of control and had a terrible temper. And one day he lost it in the in the kitchen of what is what was a very nice restaurant down on the Lower East Side. And she, instead of freaking out on him, she just asked him to step outside. And she said, "What happened?" can I ask you a question? She said, what happened to you when you were young that made you so angry? So it was an attempt to reach beyond, instead of just being reactionary, to reach beyond and find out that person's story. And when we do that, we don't look at things the same way. We're not as likely to hit re, you know, repost, share, whatever. 
we're much, if we know someone's story, it changes things. It really changes things. And typically for the better. Friends, this is the Ideas Cafe podcast. I really want to thank John and Aaron for being a part of this today. I think this is a thought-provoking idea, and we could spend hours and hours unpacking this. What are the symptoms of your own heart that are expressing themselves boldly that are indicative of an underlying situation that you may have more control over than you think? I encourage you to look for those. Who are you stereotyping? Um, Could be large swaths of the public sphere who don't agree with you, or it could be the person you're sleeping with. And uh, it can only cause trouble. Go in peace, my friends. Have a good day. You've been listening to the Ideas Cafe podcast. Remember to share and subscribe so you and your friends do not miss another episode. Got a question, comment, or topic you'd enjoy hearing us riff on? Email us at ideas at theideascafe.com. That's ideas at theideascafe.com. Be well, and remember to stay in the conversation.